Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sam Dever Podcast, episode 72. In this episode, I speak with actor Dan Litz. Dan is someone I met here in Los Angeles several years ago, and he is a phenomenal actor. I always enjoy our conversations and watching him perform on stage or seeing him in film. And I'm really happy he came on the podcast because we had a great conversation and I got to learn a lot more about him and it was fascinating. The book of the episode is going to be The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen R. Covey. Now, this is a classic, probably one of the most classic self-help books out there. Uh, Again, uh, just it's a dense book. It can be a tougher read, but really, if you do the work to apply yourself and learn these concepts, it's one of those books that you'll always keep on the shelf as a go-to. Again, it's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen R. Covey. If you want to listen to the podcast, be sure to follow us on Apple and Spotify. If you want to watch the podcast, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at the Sam Dever podcast. Here's my conversation with Dan. Dan Litz, welcome to the Sam Dever podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, this is a treat. This is this is one of those, like I was telling you when you got here, it's like, I saw you after your show, North of Providence. You did great. You were amazing in that. And, Thank uh, you. We're talking, oh, yeah, yeah, come on the podcast. And then like, times go, oh, wait, it's time to come on. And you came on, so I'm happy you're here. Uh, I was looking forward to it. I had something, you know, nighttime just like, you know, kind of trickles down and you're like, should I watch a movie? Should I study lines? Should I read a book? Uh, should I watch one of those old Mr. Carnegie movies that he always talks about or just like, this is a lesson in acting, you know, or should I just, you know, sometimes I hit and miss. I can do, I can end the night amazingly, like we all can, yeah. or I can end it with like, oh, I just watched a good TV show. That's that's what I want to do for a living, you know, or or theater or whoever will hire me hire me please um but no you gotta love it because most of the time you're you're creating your own work and not really Mm. you know that's just the game i guess well and that's the beauty of you know an actor right like when you watch a show or a good a good show like a good piece of material i mean you are studying your craft you're not exactly like slacking or wait you're kind of doing both at the same you get to relax but at the same time you're watching and getting inspired and learning. And that's the same thing for like even bad stuff. And my fiance watches the most, like everything and anything. She's a big Marvel fan. She's a big, she watches all these like horror movies and you can just tell it's just the gut instinct, what's good and what's bad. But even the bad stuff you can learn from too, mm-hmm. I've realized. And cause I'm around it when she watches TV and I'm just like, what is so bad about this? Especially like you can see some bad, you know, some soap opera people are great. Like, um, what's his name? Pelfrey. Hmm. Um, the guy, the brother who played Ben in the Ozarks, um, show Tom Pelfrey. He, he did an amazing job. Oh, that guy. He's, he's did like nine years of soap opera work called. He crushed it. Yeah. (laughs) Like, and if you watch his early stuff on, uh, YouTube, I think it was called guiding light, but it got canceled. And then he, he became like a free agent. But uh, man, he was just as explosive as he is on Ozark. Uh, and he won like two Emmys or three Emmys. As he should. Um, daytime Emmys. But just like, just as good as his stuff is, and you can be like, wow, I want to learn that monologue or, or, you know, and I'm not the only one who thought of it. If you look on YouTube, everyone has learned his freaking monologue he says in the car on the way to Ozark. 
um that like i think it's like a taxi cab scene but um but like i said the bad stuff too it's like oh i can tell what what they're doing if i'm really watching closely mm. one i'm just like i don't buy it and two you're like why don't why don't i buy it and usually it's because like you can just tell they're kind of just saying lines and mr c even said today he was like he's like Every great actor, he always calls James Dean, Jimmy Dean. He's like, Jimmy Dean, Marlon. He never says Brando. Marlon, Jimmy Dean, uh, you know, Robert Duvall, Bobby Duvall. He's like, they all have in common, they all have this desire not just to say lines. They're always doing something. I don't know if it's physically or if they're just mentally in a different doing, um, but they're always like doing something. And if you're just waiting for your next line or next cue or whatever it just it shows it it becomes just like oh this is boring to watch mm. but yeah no no shout out to mr carnegie too I mean, one movie he gave us that I, uh five easy pieces with uh jack nicholson okay yeah that one all those movies from the 70s like all like Duvall and that whole like they're which, so good. All of them are so good. That jail one, which two, which uh, that guy. What's the actor's name? Who always plays like the crazy guy? Who's the who's the bomb guy in uh, Speed in the elevator shaft? Ah, uh, what's his name? I but, forgot who all's in Speed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I hate we don't have our phones, but uh, yeah. But I think it's this, this movie, this jail movie called Rata. It's like something choochy. I don't know what it is. But uh, he was also in a James Dean movie, and he played like James Dean's brother. You're talking about Dennis Hopper? Dennis Hopper. Oh. <laughs> did you, did you, have you heard? I'll set it up for you. Thank you. Have you heard that story about uh, Dennis Hopper, how he pulled James Dean in the limo? No. So I, I watched so many actor interviews. I, that's how I got inspired to want to be an actor. I used to watch a bunch of um, Inside the Actor's Studio with James Lipton. Oh, yeah. I got the, just the way the actors talk. I don't know if it's the po the romance the romance they talked of or how how it was poetic or I don't know, but it just drew me in and and I just like just started watching like like swear to God it was just the guy who got me into it was um, Johnny Depp. Mm. It's kind of like a hot word right now, but um, I just watched. I went on Wikipedia when I thought Wikipedia was way better than IMDb, and I was I'm wrong. I was wrong. But uh, I watched it from like the 90s to all the way like up to like, I think it was like 2012 at the time. But I watched all those movies and I just was like, this guy, I don't know if it's because I'm like, oh, he kind of looks like me hmm. in a non like kind of like boasty way. But I was just like, this guy is just so believable. I don't know what what's he doing at the time. I was like, hmm. I don't know what I'm watching. This is This is just entertaining, but it's more than entertaining. He can like. He can like move me in a way. And um, I don't know how I got in that topic of conversation. No, it's perfect. Cause I was going to ask you how you got into acting anyway. <laughs> Johnny Depp. So Johnny Depp, he um, was the catalyst. My friend, uh, my, my dear friend, we have these matching tattoos. Oh. Uh, he got his on his leg and I got mine on my arm. Just shows you like who's more into it, the relationship. No, <laughs> he, he had a whole sleeve idea for his arm. So he was like, no, no, you can't touch my, my arms. I have sleeves going on. But um, yeah, my best friend would always uh, like play movies. Like the first movie I saw, like really saw and not just like kind of 
listen to or someone else put it on, but something that was really like attentive to was uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Hmm, I haven't seen that it's one. It's like a British crime movie. It has like I think Jason Statham's in it in that one, and like, uh, but yeah, it was it was my best friend who always played like a movie, and he got me like, like let's watch a movie, and he always played a different movie, and and eventually he just like let me have his whole Apple library of movies. It's like so many. He get, he buys every movie that comes out. Mm. Um, but uh, he's he's a he's into philosophy and psychology. I think he has a master's now, but. But yeah, and then I started doing um, theater back home. And where's uh, back home? Uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin. That's right. You're Midwest too. I remember that. Yes, uh, Midwest. Uh, yeah, there's this place called the Rody Opera House, oh. and um, they were doing uh, a production of See How They Run. Hmm. And funny enough, they just did like a Hollywood production last year or two years ago with the whole like Hollywood cast of like See How They Run with like not Edward Norton, but one someone big like him. And um and yeah, and I got I think I got pretty lucky because I got like one of the supporting roles. I got like the sergeant, the British sergeant who and at that time I uh I only did a British accent around like my Alex's friends and and just to try to fool everybody when we played soccer. He would do Irish, I would do a British. And so I just it just so happened that the role had to been to be British and I got to interrogate the whole cast. And uh, it was really fun. And um, I just remember having a blast up there and saying, like, I want to do this all the time. Mm. It was, it was, it was a, it was so great. And uh, and then when I guess when one of the seasonal, the guys who always you know at the Rodeo Opera House was like the big shot. I guess he was out of town. And when he came back, um, when I was in the role, he goes, uh, he goes. Oh, so you're, you're the you're the sergeant who interrogates everybody, right? And I said, yeah. He goes, oh, well, you probably got that part because I was out of town. And I was Ooh. like, whoa. And that's, you know, that's when I got my first bite of like, you know, now that I look back on it, I never even thought of this now, but like, you can, you can still feel that like competitiveness mm-hmm. with even actors in class. There's, um, there's always just some people that just you don't vibe with and you're like, what's that all about? And I try not to dig into it, but you know, we we all want to be liked. Uh, I want you to like me. I want Eric to like me. Um, but at, at a certain extent, it's it's like poison. You're like, you're mm. like, please like me. Why won't you talk to me? What do I? What am I? What am I not doing? What am I doing? And some, it's hard to let go, but it's 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 ingrained in you know sports acting that competitiveness of like that person's doing great. I don't like that he's doing great. And but some people, if you do great, they're like, "Oh, great job." It's a weird, it's weirdness. But you you gotta just not think about it. And um, I never made that connection because it's still you know positive, negative energies. You just gotta find your frequency. Yeah, it's people. funny you bring that up. I was just talking to someone about because I feel like because I'm the same way. Like I like, oh, why don't you like me? I'm friendly and this and that. Like why don't we? But I just feel some energies just don't match, and that, and I've learned to accept that, and that's okay. Yeah, it's okay, and I'm learning to let go more of like. All right, we just we don't we don't vibe that good. Doesn't mean we hate each other, but yeah, you just feel it. 
it's like it's like magnets like the ones that stick you're like oh great but the ones that you like you keep on like yeah. doing this thing <laughs> you're it's like, like come on come on and then when you try it makes it worse that's yeah. what i've realized too it makes it even worse you're like give me your eyes give yeah. me those eyes i want to feel the connection and it's like yeah. you're like why are they darting why aren't you looking at me and you're like Wait, I'm a cancer. What I want to figure out his horoscope, his his thing, whatever that is. Like maybe he's like the opposite of water. Maybe he's a fire sign. It's like you, you try to find a reason, and then it's like you could spend uh, your whole life doing that. Yeah. It's like, or do you just let it go, accept it for what it is, and concentrate on what you need to do? Just let it go, let it go. <laughs> Learn the lines, and then just let it go. Well, and I'm sure in acting too, I mean, you're going to be, there's going to be situations where you're working with someone on set or in a, you guys aren't, it's, you just got to have to do the job together and you may not get along, be best friends outside of the whole thing. I'm sure there's been situations like that, right? <sighs> Everyone loves me. Uh <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no. Besides like certain teachers, I don't know. I, I usually... I'm usually the one who asks people to do scenes with. Mm. And when I do ask people, I've, here and there, like I've asked um, some people to do uh, a play or some scenes and and they're busy doing something else. But uh, I got to I gotta think. Yeah, I've had people that are like overly, you can feel that sense of control um, that they, you just got to go like, yes, and, yes, and with them. And um like they, I don't know. So sometimes if it's, if it is overpowering, I just let them kind of steer. Um, it's like when you break down the script, um, you can tell if you're kind of working together on that or if someone kind of just takes over and goes, okay, we're going to, that's where that one starts. And I'm like, uh, and just, then they just keep moving on. They don't wait for you to agree. Get your input. And yeah, it's, it's not a big deal, but it's, it's, it's the, in this, in this industry, you have to, you know, be kind of malleable and be, um, or else what happens? You get kicked out. It's like mm. you get kicked out of class or you, the real world, you get fired from jobs. Mm. Like, uh, I just heard, what's his name? Um, Michael Pitt. Michael Pitt. Michael Pitt. He was, um, he, was, really big, he was big in the nineties. Okay. He kind of looked like, he kind of looks, looked like Leonardo DiCaprio, blonde hair. Um, he was, he was in like a, a a show where he did like two seasons. Um, that one where Belushi, is it Belushi? Belushi? Anyways, but he keeps on getting, kind of like, kind of like the buff, Shia LaBeouf, kind of, I heard you hear him getting fired and stuff. Michael Pitt, he, I've heard that he's gotten fired from here and there jobs. And when you watch them in interviews, it, it truly tells, you know, the camera captures everything. Mm. Um, they're very, you can tell that they're very, um, like usually it's sensitive kind of shy um not that like charming charismatic like mcconaughey or like or or who else I, i'm thinking christopher walken because you remind me so much oh. of him <laughs> but the, the showman the people that do a great interview because they have that charming charisma but then when you get that like when you get that like um kind of the lead singer of nirvana when you get him on interviewed yeah. um kurt cobain you can just see the sensitivity and and the shyness and how real they are and they don't care about giving out giving a good show right um but you can just tell those those people who are getting fired and i and i've i hate to say it uh i got like fired from one job and it was for the fringe and um 
And I got fired because I couldn't learn this huge Spoon River. And I think it was before we worked on Spoon Rivers in class, mm. which have changed my life. And I'm not just saying this because I still go to this school, Playhouse West. But um, just break it. You just realize when you when I saw a big chunk of like like Spoon River speech, whatever, it just scares, it used to scare the hell out of me. And now when I, when I, and I had a, I used to work, uh, I was working on a, something with a scene partner and they told me, I'm like, doesn't that big old speech scare you? And he's like, no, that's what I live for. Mm. And I'm like, you gotta be crapping me. You gotta be shitting me. There's no way that that doesn't intimidate you. And he wasn't lying because he, uh, he's like, no, I, I love it. That's what I, I used to do with theater and in like college and stuff. And um, so I, by learning to like break down that script properly, break down the speech properly and really know the story. Um, Mr. C says the first mistake of every actor is rushing to learn the lines. Mm. You gotta, you gotta understand that thing first, put it in your own words. Don't try to memorize it. Just learn it by telling yourself, by reading it like a story, like, like, I don't know, like a, like a short story, like a book the way you read a novel, or the way you read a self-help book. And then once you've come familiar and you can say it in your own words and you've done enough, you know, whatever, daydreaming or whatever with it, then you can start to like, you know, really try to do sentence by sentence and and learn stacking one, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five. Once you get all that down, I found most helpful. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. The Spoon Rivers. That that was a ride when I did them. Um, yeah. It's crazy how you know, and, and two people could view it in two different ways too. You know, the interpretation of them, and you would think at first glance, like, well, why the heck am I going to read these? Like, do these? What's this have to do with acting? But then you get into it, and you realize how difficult <laughs> it actually is and then then you know throw on top once you act like you said you learn what it actually means then i'll throw on top of accents and all this other stuff you can do with it i mean it's it's pretty crazy i just i just learned what they're all about i was like at first they used to frustrate me i'm like what is the point of these like pieces of poetry like and then mr c bob was like oh the whole point he just sent randomly we have it every like third week of the month um he's like oh the reason is is you take a piece of poetry and you just try to make it as sound as you know as close to you and as and as you know just understood as possible as to where it doesn't even sound like a piece of poetry by mm. by that author it just it sounds like it's literally coming from you and um and it's 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 hard it's it's hard work it's uh it's again reading that story until you can like just you know say it in your own words without even looking at it and even then, just learning those, like, it's like Shakespeare. I I, I fear Shakespeare because just, like, how do you learn words that you don't even understand? Mm. But um, there's so many words in those uh, Spoon River, that Spoon River book, how I have to look up and be like, oh, that's what that means. And you got to, like, remember what you just learned, what that word means. And you have these, like, two words in your head. Oh, that means this. What's that word? And then, oh, keep going. But... um. But yeah, I just I just had a breakthrough with Spoon Rivers, um, doing a particularization they call mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. and uh, pretty much like telling a story that's kind of similar to 
what the Spoon River is about. And then um, once you, like I picked uh, an employee I work with who I thought or think stole like money and blamed it on me. And um, it was like a hundred dollar bill. So I started off the Spoon River because the Spoon River is about a man who like kills my character for just being a drunken fool, have, knocking on the wrong house. And he beats my character with like a stick until I drop down dead at his knees is the ending of it. And uh, so I just picked some guy who like literally, I, I thought me and him were cool. And then it turns out like either he pocketed it because he wanted to make a hundred bucks and say, oh, I don't know where it went. And, um, and so I just pretty much talked about how I felt so betrayed by that guy. And then eventually when I just was so heated, you know, and then the teacher says, all right, go into the speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I just like naturally like kind of more or less understood in a weird way. You don't quite get it, but it's kind of like, what are they, what does Mr. C say? The, I've been going to this school for like six years. So it's just, these teachers are just like, and it, great teachers, their voices live within you, mm-hmm. I heard. Um, maybe I just thought of that. Um, I like to give credit where it's due. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, it's like the Pavlonian effect, the, mm. the ringing of the bell, yeah. the dog salivates. Mm. Um, you take away the food and the bell still makes the dog salivate. Um, but it's that mending of, you know, if you do that enough, where you take your personal life and mend it with the material, then that kind of emotion just kind of rings automatically when you start to take the author's words and they become feel like more or less your words. And eventually it just kind of just becomes transparent. And then it's it's like, then you just trust and, and stop working so hard on it. And eventually it just like, you don't even got to think of what to say. It just lives within you. It's what you hope happens every time you either do a Spoon River or a scene or a play. But every time I start a new piece of whatever comes my way or whatever I try to get going, I always, I'm always like, oh God, I feel like I just started over again, which you're starting over. It just, it's always something different that needs to be done to, to like understand the scene, understand the speech or, I think that's what's so cool. What's why I've been act in this town for what, 10 years I've, I moved here. I was going to ask you what, what was the push to uh, move here? Like from Wisconsin, did you move straight from Wisconsin to here? Yeah. Wisconsin was not working out. I, yeah. I was in a two year relationship. Uh-huh. Um, the last, the last straw was she kicked me out of the, the car and she drove away. And I was like, I was like literally 20 minute walk home, but it was still very dramatic. Yeah. I think uh, I was 22, 23 at the time. And she was a couple years older. And um, yeah, she, we had a two year thing going. It was, I told her I loved her and she wasn't saying it back. Oh. That is a very uh tall tell that's a very what is that called that's a tell that's a huge tell when they don't Red say flag. it back. and they show movies where someone says it first and then eventually the other person says it back but i didn't see the signs i was just i'm in love and and i don't care if she says it back i don't care but um yeah we broke up and then at the same time i i was i was taking um my first kind of acting class in chicago mm-hmm. Uh, Kenosha is in between Milwaukee and Chicago, 40 minutes away from Milwaukee, an hour away from Chicago. Oh, pretty good location then, really. Yeah, I, got, I had my first like agent in like Madison up there, a little past Milwaukee. 
But um, yeah, I was taking classes in, in Chicago and I was putting all my all into that. Michael Shannon used to go at that school I was at and I was so inspired. And, you know, so I was putting all my attention there and not in my re relationship. So that fell apart. And then um, I was so inspired by acting. And then I stopped going to that because I got my heart broken. And then eventually I, I got into a fight with my boss at Great Steak and Potato. Delicious, great steak, Philly steak sandwiches uh, and baked potatoes. Uh, I used to be a key holder there and I used to open up and I used to be top dog around there. And yeah, I just got, in, I don't know if it was, I, w I always tell my mom acting has got, gotten me kind of crazy. And she's like, no, you've always been like that. Ever since that dog bit you in your face, you just, you've never been the same. And I was like, oh yeah, that happened. A dog bit you in the face? Oh yeah. It was my best friend, Alex, who we got the matching tattoo with. His, his rescue dog, who always growls at me. Um, it, it was a good day. I was, I was sleeping over my buddy's house. We always slept in the same bed and his mom did not like that. He, I think his mom thought we were, we were together. And we were far from it, you know? We were just so close. And um, yeah, it was a great morning. Uh, you know, I think we, uh, hit, we went downstairs and we, we were watching like a soccer game on TV and his mom made us breakfast. His mom never makes us breakfast. His mom hates me because we always get high and that's when, I, when she sees me is when they used to be high as a stupid, dumb 20-year-old. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, eventually... Um, so the, I see the his rescue dog. It's like a black border collie, pit bull mix, whatever. I used to always keep away because it always growled at me. So this one time I, I saw the dog, I was like, oh, look at how cute that dog looks. I'm going to crawl up to him. And I crawled up to the dog. And um, I and I put my head on its like chest because it was sitting upright. And uh, I was just like, you know, nuzzling him or nuzzling her. And uh, her name was Nina. And um, yeah, and then I made eye contact and then she just <laughs> bit me. And uh, I grabbed my mouth, I had no idea what happened. And then I let go and just blood poured from my face. Ooh. And my life was never the same. I was, uh, I got- And how old were you when that happened? Mm, 20, 22. All right, so you weren't like a little kid at all. You were- No. This happened somewhat. Yeah. I want to say recent, but not like ages, ages ago. And what followed was like, well, I don't know at the time, but I, I got this PTSD of anxiety and um, this fear I never knew. And, and yeah, six months of like PTSD. And I never got like diagnosed. I saw a psychologist or a psychiatrist. My mom was like, if you don't see somebody, um, some, I'll, do, I'll take something away from you. And I was like, okay. So I, you know, she pretty much told me I was depressed because I pretty much cut, I stopped seeing Alex, my best friend, because, um, he was saying that his dog was turned around and because they didn't want their dog put down. And at the time I was trying to put that dog down because I was like, dog shouldn't bite you in the face like that. That's mm. ridiculous. But um, his sister was kind of in a line and saying the dog was turned around that I snuck up on the dog. So it was my fault. Um, yeah, there's lawyers involved. And eventually I just said, my lawyer was like, the next step is having to like um, sue the sue the Beals and I was like what I was like I'm not gonna sue my best friend it just made this like six months of like turmoil and and uh just being angry with each other because we weren't telling the same story about the dog bite and then yeah eventually 
um, I just, you know, my friend Alex, he like called me and was like, hey, uh, let's catch up. It's been six months or he didn't say that, but it's, it's, it's been a long time. You know, let's grab some wings. You come over my place. And I was like, what about the dog? And he goes, oh, Nina, she, I'll lock her up in the kitchen because they had like a Victorian house where every room has a door. Mm-hmm. So the dog was locked. Uh, we went into the living room, hung out, ate some wings. And then I was like, hey, let me go say hi to, to Nina. And he's like, no, that's not a good idea. And I was like, you're probably right. And we're, we're eating wings. We're having a good time catching up. Like nothing has, not, no days have passed in the six months. And then, uh, and then later he goes, hey, let's, you should get so yeah, go say hi to Nina. And I'm like, no way. So we were like constant, like, like not like meeting on that circumstance. So we're like, all right, let's go out. Went to the bar, got, got a couple beers, playing pool. And then we walked back to his house and he's like, why don't you sleep over? And I was like, what about the dog? And he's like, no, no, we'll lock her up, of course, with uh, my sister, we'll lock her up. So I go, I go in first, we go into the living room. And then um, before it turns the lights on, I see this dark crawling shadow. And I was like, Alex, Alex, holy crap. Is that Nina? Is that Nina? And then he flicks the lights on and it's, it's Nina, the dog that bit me six months ago. And, um, but she was like very scared and like shaking her tail. And, um, so instinctually I just went like, Nina, hi Nina. And this really high pitched voice and stuck my hand out and I was like shaking and, and man, she comes, she comes up to me and, um, I get emotional just thinking about it, but, um, mm. she comes up to me, sits down while I'm standing and I put my hand on her head and, um, I just start to bawl and uh, my, my friend's like, what's, what's wrong with you? What's going on? And I was just like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I have no idea. And, um, and yeah, I, I, if I like to look back on it, I had this like cathartic moment of this fear that I lived with. I used to dream, I used to have nightmares for like, I don't know how many, but in that six months about that dog biting me over and over again. And, um, yeah, PTSD is real. Like, I can only imagine what I went through with a dog bite, what people that are veterans deal with. And um, it's, PTSD is, is no joke. And um, yeah, my, I have some friends in the military, but yeah, it was, it was, it was quite, quite an experience. And I, my mom's like, you've never been the same after. You've been this like, you know, very charismatic, very like, broken out of your shell sometimes she's like she said she used to be like you know you need to calm down a little bit you're a little she's like what do you want we really want to know what you're on and I'm like I'm on nothing you didn't realize for that six months I was living in fear I was having nightmares I'd be in in my nightmare I'd be like in the car and then my window would be down this dog would literally launch through the window and bite my hand and I'd wake up and I could feel the dog like the bite the pain in my hand Mm -hmm. that's all real and and all this turmoil my brain was working through. And um, yeah, dude, that that kind of trauma, like anybody who experiences that, I don't know if it helped talking about it or just obviously it helped meeting the dog again. And imagine I wanted to put that dog down and I'm so glad that what I wanted didn't come into fruition because I would never have got that cathartic moment. But the, yeah, that whole thing happened. I started... And then I started going to 
I think I may have got this backwards. I started going to acting classes after the dog bit me because I started doing all these things I was afraid of. And I started auditioning for the, the theater in town and I got the first job. And then, and then I had some friends say, hey, you want to hang out? You want to help us move our stuff out from Chicago? We're planning on moving to L.A. And I was like, whoa, I don't know if my mom will let me. I saw kind of that in the 22-year-old Dan, Daniel, whatever. I was like, my mom would control my whole life. And um, she was like, she was like, the, if you're grounded, I'm grounded. I can't go anywhere unless she goes to sleep and I sneak out. But um, yeah, I had some friends. Um, one was a model and one was a musician. And um, yeah, it all start, started when they asked me to move out there with them. And I guess the rest is history. Like I was supposed to move out there with them. And then one of their moms died. And so I let them deal with all that. And, um, and then I had a, I think on New Year's Eve, um, I reached out to a friend that um, I knew was living out here. And I said, um, hey, remember that time like a year ago and you invited me to live out here? And I told you, hey, I'm, you know, I'm with this girlfriend I've been with for like a year and a half. I was, and I told her, you know, I can't, but thank you for the invite. And she was like, you'd love it out here. Cause you, me and her used to model together. Um, but uh, yeah, and then after that, um, she moved. She was like, "Yeah, you can still live with me." And um, we skyped. She, I never had bought a ticket before, plane ticket by myself, and she um, walked me through that. And I bought a one-way ticket to Los Angeles, LAX. And that was in 2012, December. And then yeah, I moved here January 2013, and the rest is history. Been here a decade. That was a long story. <laughs> Dude, that was amazing. Like, <laughs> well, make sure to... No, that... Um, there's so much I want to unpack with what you just said. That's, well, so to the dog story. Thank, first of all, thank you for sharing that. I mean, that was... Yeah. Uh, but man, like I really felt like you just took all of us, whoever's going to listen and watch this on a true like event that happened to you how you were feeling and like you said you wanted to put the dog down you wanted but but to have that full circle moment where you and your friend come back together and how you actually face the dog again and i mean that had to have been it had to have been a moment of some healing of some sort right oh yeah and you would have never have gotten that any other way as brutal as that had to have been to yeah. go through all that. But I mean, man, that's what a story. I used to always like that. That was the biggest thing that ever happened to me. That, that, that meeting of the dog again. And I used to always like, I used to always tell myself that story over and over again and it never got old. And eventually I'm like, I'm just, I'm I think I'm, I think I'm getting off on this, on this like cathartic moment. Cause it's never, you see those moments happen in movies and television and you get affected and you're like, Oh my God, I'm, I feel for the character. And that was like the first time anything has ever big happened to me where I was like, whoa, I can think of something in my past and it gets me worked up every time. Mm. Um, yeah, to this day I have, um, I put on my calendar the day Nina bit me and I, I got really weird about it. Like it was so sacred to me that that dog changed my life. And then everyone knows, you know, dogs men and man and dog have this like bond you know mm -hmm. and um 
and it's unexplainable. I have two dogs and just the bond. It's like, of course they don't talk. We always go, we wish they could talk. Um, I have a Frenchie and a pointer and, uh, and the pointer always pees when he sees me. And no matter how many times I clean up that piss and at first I wipe it dry, spray it with water, wipe it, and then get the cleaner and wipe it. It's a whole process to keep, get the smell out of there. Um, I love him to death. Like, it's so silly. I'm like, why haven't I just given this dog away and like realized, you know, it's a bad pick. Um, but you know, and then that, that morning, so when the dog bit me and then now we're stuck with the dog bit, when the the dog bit, get it, uh, <laughs> the, that, that same, the next morning after I had my little cathartic moment with Nina, um, I was like, Hey, just let that night, I was like, just keep the dog out. It's fine. We're cool now. And, he, and then my friend Alex was like, no, we're still putting the dog away just in case. And I was like, okay. And then uh, that morning, uh, I was the first to wake up. It's probably like 7, 8 in the morning. And um, the parents were away. And it was just me, the dog, Alex, and his sister. And I had to go to the bathroom really bad. And so I, there's like two, two uh, like, bathrooms in the house three but um so the one i knew was by the dog bed so i stayed clear from that one so i went to the one through the kitchen used the bathroom over there it was a weird setup house it was like a hogwarts house or something like castle and so (laughs) i went to the bathroom there's no sign of the dog but i was scared that that dog wasn't me and that dog were gonna meet again even though we just had this beautiful moment um we were cool again it's like it's like nina had apologized there goes the emotions again. And it all lives right in here. It just chokes you up. Um, and then, we, so we had that moment. But then I still woke up kind of scared, kind of nervous. And so, but not as not as petrified as I was. So I went to the bathroom. And then I could see, I could hear Nina walking through the kitchen to, the, to where I was. And I was behind the door. And I was like, oh, crap. And I was like, what does she want? Are we going to, like, are we cool? Uh, we're fine. Like, we, we made up. She apologized in her own way. And then um, I realized in the bathroom was this massive bag of dog food. And I was like, no, <laughs> she thinks she wants food. She wants to be fed. And so, so I, you know, I had a, I had some food. I grabbed a hand scoop. I think it was like a, like a little scooper in there. So I grabbed a scoop of it, opened the door just in case. And she was sitting there, just wagging her tail, like innocent as ever. Just like my dog who pees every freaking other day and still as innocent as ever. I had the, had the scoop for Nina. I, I make my way to her little dog bowl. And I was so scared to like bend down and like put it in there. So I tried my best just to go and like a bunch of it hit the floor and she was like eating all around. And, um, and then she had no water. So I was like, I need to get your water too. So, so I got her water and then I kind of like, I think I pet her a little bit and, and yeah, we were, we were cool. She apologized. We got over it. And it's 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 kind of crazy. They sad thing is, like a year or two ago, maybe three, they had to put her down because she bit again. She bit a kid. Mm. So yeah, just some, sometimes you know life is tragic, and even though that dog didn't get put down, shit happens. Mm. But it's I hate how dogs can get. I was I like I got raised by dogs, so I. Dogs have like a like a close little spot in my heart. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. 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 Labs. Labs. Yeah. Black yeah. lab? Uh there was one 
Golden Labs, uh, Yellow Labs, and then uh, now my parents now back home in Illinois. They got a chocolate lab. Oh man! And I want I want dogs so bad, man. Like I, I apartment's not the greatest spot <laughs> for no. a big full uh, grown lab. So especially training the dog to know that that's the tough part. And I and I travel a lot for work and all this. So it's like, but I, as soon as I'm able, man, I'm I'm getting dogs. I had, so you, a, I had yeah. a black lab, yellow lab. Really? And it's sad because the, the black lab, my mom um, said it ran away, uh, that it twisted her arm and she had to let go. But she told me like 10 years ago, oh, I actually just gave it away because I uh-huh. couldn't take care of it. And I was like, great. I was, I was looking out that window waiting for Harley to come back with his leash in my hand. And um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of turmoil with me and animals. And then I had a yellow lab that I was close to. And then we had to put that dog down because he had seizures. Mm. And then we had a golden lab. And then that one we had to give away because he was just like crazy. They have so much energy. Yeah, they have a they lot need, of energy. Like my pointer, I have to run him every other day at least. Or sometimes if I'm bad, I run him once a week. But I take him down and just let him fucking go. Yeah. Like throw the, we go in the garage, mm-hmm. make sure no cars are around and just let him just sprint back and forth. He'll yeah. do it for hours. But those dogs, they need that um, that release and that exercise because if not, they just get like so like mm-hmm. anxious and like worked up and they need to, st- to stress relief. The Frenchie, you probably don't have to do that as much with, do you? Like, no, he gets he gets tired very fast, very quickly. And since they have that little short snout, the temperature is a- affects them pretty mm. pretty fast, pretty easily. So he gets overheated pretty quickly, especially in hot weather. So yeah, they get chubby pretty quick because... You know, you don't want you. Gotta, they can overheat, and and bad things can happen with those Frenchies. I think you're meant to be in a dog movie of some kind. <laughs> Airbud was my favorite oh. movie. <laughs> I loved Airbud. Uh, Airbud. Oh, that one with with Richard Gere. Um, oh, I oh. think I know what you're talking about. I don't know the name of it. If Eric has his phone, but it's it's so. Oh man, I bawled my eyes out. It's about this dog that this Japanese type dog. Uh, it's a Japanese story, but they met an American with Richard Gere. And um, pretty much he f- he finds this little, like, dog, and uh, he just starts to take care of it. And um, he, they try to give it, like, a nice little house in the backyard, a little dog house. And the dog keeps, and then Richard Gere goes, all right, honey, I'm leaving, and his wife. And then he tells, he says, bye. Oh, I forget the dog's name. We'll just come, bye, whatever. And uh, he goes to leave, and the dog uh, would like go crazy trying to follow him because he would, he would walk to the train station. So the freaking the dog either starts to leap over the fence or he digs under the fence. It's with Richard Gear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he follows the Rich. So the dog pretty much follows Richard Gear every day to the to the uh, train station, and eventually um, starts to just. The, then Richard Gear would say, "All oh, right, I guess I'm not. Can't, I can't walk you all the way back." Just and so eventually, he just trusts that the dog would just stay at the train station. Because so the whole movie, Richard Gear goes to work. He Richard Gear just goes, "All right, come on, uh, whatever, Ralph or whatever." The dog follows Richard Gear. They walk. They go to the train station, and while Richard Gear's away, everyone starts to realize this dog um, and get to know him very well and feed him. And while he ra- waits for the owner to come back, and then Richard Gear comes home, and then. And then, um, and then the dog is waiting for him, like always. And that goes on for like the whole movie. And then Richard Gere goes to the train that day and has a heart attack at his job. And that dog 
never leaves the train station for the rest of his life. Mm. And he just waits there and waits there and it shows the dog getting older and older and, and everyone knows that the owner, like, because I guess it was like a tight knit community in the movie anyways. Um, and the dog pretty much um, just becomes like the, the owner of everybody and everyone mm. takes care of him and everyone feels so bad because, you know, the Richard Gear never comes back and he just waits there for him because he's so loyal. And, uh, yeah, that dog just lives there and stays there through the snow, through the rain, and it's it's super sad, but it's super Hachi. beautiful. Hachi, yes. The dog still, you know, it's and it so reminds good. me of those videos. I need to watch that. It reminds me of those videos you see, like where the dogs go to the owner's grave. And oh, there's one. I don't I don't know what uh, what the name of it is, but yeah, one. They take the dog to the owner's grave, and the dog literally starts weeping, like starts mm. weeping. People like, and you, you get it. Like, dog, when you have a dog in your, that's part of the family. Like, that's a yeah. family member, and I, you can tell some people that haven't really had or were close with their. It's like, no, like they're they're part of the family. It, it, it's it's such a close connection and bond. It's unexplainable. Yeah. I had no idea about that about you, so thank you for opening up and sharing that. That's yeah. I don't know how we got to that topic. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad I'm glad we did, and I really, you know, I think it takes courage to share a story like that. But I think that's powerful in what you share. You know. Yeah, it's. I don't know if it was before that or after that. If I was always kind of like this emotional person. Um, no, I do remember my mom yelling at me and saying, stop crying, you cry, baby. <laughs> and uh, I think it was always there. And that just whole scenario with the dog by just kind of, you know, kind of woke up something in me. So I told mm -hmm. some of that story, what I told you just now. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're like, they're like, whoa, you got like dog blood. You got like dog DNA in you now. That's what lives in you. And that's why you got these like hypersensitive um, feelings. And I was like, whatever. But I thought it was pretty cool. And behind my, you know, when he walked away, I was like, I have special powers. <laughs> <laughs> like the fucking, like, uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was bit by a dog. He was bit by a spider. Same thing. Man, you know, it's, you know, as you're talking about PTSD and all the, I, I remember another significant, I was talking to Eric before you arrived here. Like, I, I feel you pick really good pieces of work. Mm. in your acting the things i've watched you in i'm going to share something you shared with me once this yeah. was years ago this is right before the pandemic it was a scene night i don't i can't remember what class it was for but you were doing home front yeah and you did a really great job i remember you did a really good job mm. in that because i had just done that scene i mean it's a classic right like <laughs> rabbit hole home front like all those but like you really i felt like embodied that character and I remember talking to you afterwards, like, oh, yeah, that was great. And you're just like, yeah, you know, I'm learning, uh, I'm paraphrasing you, but you said you're defined on what you say no to. Mm. And I yeah. took that with me, not just for acting, but everything really? in life. Yeah, because it's so true. Yeah. Because when you just keep saying, it's important to say yes and take chances, all that, but you only have so much time and energy. Time. Yeah. 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 So it's like. It gets to the point where you have to pick and choose mm -hmm. what you're going to do. So when you said that, like, it made sense, like, watching the things you pick. Like, it seems like when you pick something you want to work on, like, you really want to work on that. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Uh, as much as I hate when people say no to me, like, doing doing this play um, I'm doing with um, Katie McMullen and Tyler 
I'm going to admit Butcher's name, Tyler Shear. Shear. What play? Um, it's called How to Fight Loneliness. Hmm. It's another, <laughs> you guessed it, a big emotional piece where Mike, uh, Katie's character um, has terminal cancer, ter- terminal illness, and her and her husband seek me out to kill her. And um, it's uh, it's by Neil Labute. Mm. Um, of course, those annoying little dashes are there, but you know, uh, Christian, um, the teacher, he's a, he's a teacher at, uh, I forget his last name, uh, Christian at Playhouse West. He goes, Oh yeah, Christian. One yeah. time I said, you know, I hate, I hate those Neil Labute slashes, those dashes. And he's like, dude, just, just plow through those. And I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, cause people can get like kind of, um, you know, scared of Labute's dashes. Cause it is kind of hard to learn that, um, that kind of way of, you know, learning the scene, but. Yeah, this 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 next one I'm doing um, is you know I just always try to find things. This is the, this one Holly brought to my attention. It was supposed to be originally me, Gar Gar Yi Lee and uh, Chris Gappo, and we were working on it right before the pandemic. Mm. And then the that's pandemic. a phenomenal cast right there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris Gappo is like often like Europe. Is he really? Yeah, I was wondering what. Yeah, he's 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 out of here. And uh, is he coming back, or is he just? I kind of feel sad because he invited me to his going away party or his going away thing. But I think it's kind of indefinite. Um, huh. I asked him, "Are you, what, you know, what are you going out there for?" He's like, "Oh, I just travel." And I was like, "Is there, is there a, you know, chasing love?" And he's like, "Maybe." <laughs> <laughs> and so, Good for uh, him. yeah, he's he's living life and. Uh, I think Gar is still at the school. Um, she does like the admin and social media stuff, and she subs once in a while. Yeah, and she was just in the play, um, really, really that Holly directed. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I have to say, I didn't see it. I didn't get to see it. I, I work weekends, right? Saturday, Sunday are my money makers. So, um, so it can be tough to. Yeah, yeah. but but the Gar's back- phenomenal, by the way. I love her. She's yeah, she. she's a sweetheart. Um, yeah, she was. She was a great scene partner when we were working on our scene together before we kind of got dismantled during COVID. We were still we got together for like a three four months, like pretty solid, like through Zoom, and eventually it just kind of dissipated and realized, dang, we're in this for the long haul. This COVID thing's not going away. Um, but back to your original question, to say no to things, to get uh, Katie a husband for that play, I got a bunch of no's, and I was like, what? It's an amazing part. It's a it's a caring husband and it's a you know and then me and the husband after spoiler after the the after I kill after I help um, the the wife uh, me and the husband have this like freaking huge like debate about what I did was right or wrong and you know how we gotta stay we can't stay in touch because if the police find out you know you know you gotta keep this like me and you you gotta keep your alibi straight you can't you know. And, um, and yeah, like I, I got a lot of no's and it was really frustrating. And, um, you know, you can take that personal, you can, you can have it. Yep. You realize your, your, your emotional life is just a reaction and you can sometimes take the wheel and go, no, like, I'm not going to get upset about this. It's just people are saying, are saying no, because they don't, they don't want to put their time and effort into it. And then you have to respect that because I've said no so many times to people and, uh, you just have to go with your gut. And, um, 
if you say, I've said yes to some things and I've realized I got nothing out of this. And it was, it was mostly like a, like a flirtatious scene, which I'm not a big fan of. Um, and so there's a lot of, a lot of things I say no to are those like flirtatious scenes or a love scene or like, um, those scenes where you just like, where the actors you can tell are just in it. Cause they're like, I want to work out my, you know, and you do, you have to get comfortable with, with the sexual tension and the, and the romance of, of a scene that entails that. But I, I did a lot of that at Beverly Hills Playhouse and, um, I had my fair share of that. And, um, but, but here at Playhouse West, I, I just been moved by, you know, things I've never seen before and things when I read it, it really grabs my gut. Like when I read Homefront, when I read that monologue, how I, how I had, how that character's best friend um, kills himself because he calls his parents and says, hey, I have a friend who uh, lost, who needs a place to stay. Can my friend stay with us, mom? And she's like, sure. And then he goes, but mom, just so you know, um, that friend is missing an arm and a leg and uh, you know, he's not doing so good. And, uh, and then the mom goes, no, let me put your father on the phone. And then the father goes, no, don't you bring that into this house. Don't you bring that kind of whatever into this house. That's, that's too much. And then, he, and then you, and you realize through the speech that, I, that my character was, would go, you know, my, that friend of mine, he was the one missing the arm and the leg. And weren't the parents surprised when they went to go pick up their, their dead son in his casket when they... And he's like, oh, I wish I would have seen the look on their faces when they realized that their son was missing that arm and leg. And um, that that's that's what this country, you know, does or did or whatever to its its young when they used to do the draft. It's you, they'd, ha they'd come back either with missing arms and legs or with messed up PTSD in their brain and which people couldn't see. Which is even worse, and um, but yeah, it's stuff. It's stuff like reading that play, or I'm doing. I'm working on another um, scene. Mr. C doesn't put up plays, so I work on scenes in his class, and I'm putting up um, in a forest dark and deep, also by funny enough Neil Labute, hmm. and um, and that one's all about kind of like. Uh, I, I worked on it in 2019 before the pandemic, and then I was like, you know, I want to bring this back and like look into the part even further because it's, it's like a two-part play with a brother and sister, and and you find out in that very end of the play that the his sister kills <laughs> a lot of killing going on. <laughs> the sister, uh, the brother finds out the sister killed her boyfriend, who was a student. Excuse mm -hmm. me, and she was a teacher, and she had this like romance with the student, and um, Eventually, she finds the student's um, di student's diary, which is kind of weird for a male character. But um, she lets the student she pays for the student's like little cabin out there, and and um, pretty much she finds stuff written about her that he thinks like she's an old hag, and 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 then she gets like so furious because she thought they were in love, and really she, he was just using her for a place to stay because he was staying rent-free at this cabin that she was paying for. And eventually she she finds him biking while she's driving. She just runs him over. Oh. 
So that's what you find out at the end. But at the beginning, the brother comes over and and he's there to help the sister, you know, um, get the cabin, um, get all the stuff moved out of there. And she says, oh, the student that was living here um, just had to leave really quick and he had to, you know, go and I'm just stuck cleaning up the mess. And yeah, it's just, so, it's just interesting stories um, that, you know, that brother's sister is really strong with me. I, mm. I have two sisters. Um, I could easily do brother, brother, because Alex Beal, who I've talked about so much in this interview, um, he uh, he's like a brother to me. And funny enough, he's adopted and has like three, four other adopted siblings. Mm. And um, and yeah, I just think that like adopting is so cool because he literally has. Um, He's like Italian or Italian Hispanic, and he has like a Hispanic brother, and he has um, a black sister, and he just he just has like these people that are so far from the world, and and his parents like brought all these kids together and built a family, and it's beautiful. And they have one, the parents had one um, biological son and adopted three others, and it's kind of it's very um, it's very beautiful. His whole, like, I'm, I used to always go, I wish I was adopted. I think that would be so cool. And where he goes, no, dude, I wish I, like, kind of wish. He kind of wishes he knew his parents. Um, but he said, you know, I don't want to meet him because they gave me up. So he he's kind of hell-bent about how his parents gave him up. But then he, you know, he goes, oh, but my parents gave me up because they probably couldn't take care of me or whatnot. But, um, yes, say, saying no is kind of what defines you especially when you get, that's what I always daydream about. It's like when I was younger, I used to go, I used to go, oh, I'm going to have so much fun, you know, reading scripts and saying no to things. And, you know, having that, like when you have that daydream about being like a famous celebrity who gets scripts on the daily and like, oh, that's, that's the drama of like, oh, so many stuff. I don't know which one's great. And, and which one I'm going to keep saying, I got to find the one that moves you, the one that moves me. Um, it's funny, I, I kind of, so that was kind of my mantra back then. My new mantra now is, uh, I think I saw it on like social media somewhere, but uh, it says, uh, he goes, I don't know who who says it, but um, I stole it. He goes, you got to find something in life that makes you get up a little bit earlier than you usually do, and that makes you stay up a little bit later than you usually stay up. And um and Mr. C's like, why'd you do so good this time around? Because in class today, I got a pretty good critique. And he was like, what changed? And I said, well, I said what I just said now. I stayed up a little later than I usually do. And I woke up a little earlier than I usually get up. And because, um, you know, when you when you start the day, that morning is all you have to kind of like start before life just bulldozes. And then when you settle down and, and kind of, you know, get sleepy and tired, I I decided to drink a Red Bull uh, and stay up till four in the morning. It's uh, it's kind of like it's like you're torturing yourself because then and then I had then I had to get up literally at four, five, six, seven at like three hours later, and I think I'm running on three hours now, which I might be why I'm maybe talkative, but usually I am pretty talkative. Um, but uh, yeah, that's my new mantra. I think it's so cool because. You know, I can get pretty, 
I think like a month ago, I was, I, you know, I found myself in a little plateau and I was, um, I was a little like, like not finding my groove anymore. And, and, um, and I think what kind of broke me out of that was just like, like we were talking about before, I, uh, I changed up the protein game. I got protein that doesn't make me feel sick. I got this protein. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to plug it, but uh, am I allowed to plug it? Plug away. Uh, it's called uh, Precision ISO. Um, you can find it at Get Yoked. Uh, it's my favorite protein store. Um, cheap. You get the cheapest. It's called Get Yoked? Get Yoked. Oh, okay. That's good to know. Uh, there's one in Glendale. Uh, there's one in Pasadena. There's one in Atwater. Oh, they're local. Yeah. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, support Los Angeles business. There you go. Yeah, and um, yeah, this is the one protein that doesn't make me feel sick to my stomach, and they have a horchata flavor, which I mentioned mentioned before. Now, is it whey protein? Uh, it is, but it's it, iso whey. Or, oh, iso. Okay, I got you. I don't know if it's the same thing as iso whey or just iso protein. Uh, isolate. Pro- I think yeah, it's isolate, isolate whey. And then there's casein whey. Um, I used to take that before bed. What is it called? Uh, K- I'm probably mispronouncing it. KCI or casein. Okay. It's what's in cottage cheese. And okay. other, yeah, because a lot. Oh yeah, because I, mean, I could talk this stuff all night. Like yeah, it's a good protein to have while you sleep. Mm. And like that's why a lot of uh, bodybuilders and stuff will eat cottage cheese. Yeah. Before or even I think Greek yogurt might have a little bit of it too. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just thought of something. Uh, we were talking about this before, but I thought I'd repeat it because this, I think this is what got me out of my little funk. So I was kind of like, I'd literally, you know, start the day. I wasn't going to the gym at all. Um, I was just kind of like in a slump. I, I know when I'm in a slump is when I start to watch cartoons. I was watching Dragon Ball Z, Kai on Hulu. I was watching um, Polar Opposites on Hulu. And, um, and then someone told, and then I told somebody all these shows I'm watching, all these cartoons I'm watching. And then they're like, do you know what, you know why you're watching those, right? And I was like, yeah, cause you know, I'm lazy. I don't want to do anything. And I'm, and I'm, it's kind of fun to watch and do nothing. And it feels like, a, you feel like a kid again. And she's like, she's like, no, you're doing it because it's, it makes you feel comfortable. It makes you feel a, nostal- a nostalgic feeling. Also, it just feels, um, you know, you're not. There's no fear involved. It's just literally you get to turn off you get to turn off your brain and just relax and not try to better yourself. You're just kind of staying stagnant. And I was like, I don't know if that kind of clicked something in my brain, but um, and I, I think around that time I was drinking a little too much caffeine. Mm-hmm. I was drinking like a ton of Celsius as well, like three a day maybe. Ooh. And I was and I was drinking that stuff to feel good, which is total trap. Uh, I was just totally influenced and controlled by caffeine. So once I got caffeine out of the way, and then I stopped watching the cartoons. And once in a while, I get stuck in a rut again of, of like watching Seinfeld. And I'm like, that's not a cartoon. I'm in the clear. And then, no, I watched <laughs> five seasons of Seinfeld one night. And I'm like, oh, my God. Eventually, I just, you just become a zombie. And you, just, you, you fall asleep and you wake up and you just you watch a little bit and you fall asleep. And it's like, they, that's what she said. It's a sign of depression if you watch that much television. Um, and I looked it up and it was like, I guess she was right. And so I just said, you know what? I got to start moving my body more. I got to start moving it. And I started like getting into David Goggins again. Oh, I love Goggins. He's like, I got that book right over there. This first one can't hurt me. Yeah. Yeah. Have you read it? No, I know he has like two books out. Yeah. And he just came out. I forgot the name of his, 
other one, but oh, yeah. he's great. He's got that like wolf uh, mentality of like stay hard, like yeah, stay hard, <laughs> like stay hard. You, you just like no tough excuses, love, no yeah. excuses. Like I don't care. This is gonna make you feel. This is how I feel, and you need to get better, or you're gonna have a tough life. And I love the pain. Like he's yeah, just like <laughs> yeah. And so, dude, once I once I started and I started listening to podcasts again, I think mm-hmm. podcasts is so much better to to entertain yourself. Instead of watching TV, because TV is just kind of drain. It just, just kind of makes you a robot, and you kind of yeah. become just like numb. Where podcasts, you just start to. I think they're more stimulating, um, and you don't just rely on like visual and all that blue light that hits you. You can just listen to it or watch the video. But um, like I watched, I listened to this podcast we talked about where I, I found out that the reasons your muscles get smaller when you don't use them. Is because and you, is because and and if you don't get enough protein in your system, that your heart starts to um, is a muscle and it constantly tears as it's beating all day, and so it also and you know it needs protein to rebuild in those amino acids. So it actually if you don't get enough protein in your body, that your your body starts to break down the muscles, and that's why your muscles get smaller. To I think it's to break down those protein, that muscle to get to the amino acids to kind of rebuild and keep the heart beating to keep you alive. And so if you're not getting the proper calories, the proper nutrients, the proper protein daily, you'll, you won't get the results you, you want. And plus you won't feel energetic. And if you, it's like a oh, balance. It's so, it's so much to think about, but once you, like I started using um, my fitness pal again, mm-hmm. I got in great shape in like 2020, and um, and then I kind of kind of plateaued once everything started working again, and then um, but yeah, my fitness pal has like you you just chart everything and scan everything and um. Do you yeah. meal prep? No, I I go to Ralph's. I just I live a block away from Ralph's, so oh, whenever I'm low on something, perfect. I bring it. I mean, I I. Meal prep. I've n- I've I've never tried it. It sounds like a lot of work, um, and but I don't know. It's not. I don't think it's for me. I I just eat a ton of yogurt in the morning, um, f- and then I put up, you know, a scoop of protein, and then I work out, and then I come back, eat like four eggs. I used to eat five eggs. Um, I guess you know that movie, um, Tick Tick. No, the one where the guy is split person split. Oh, split, split personalities. Yeah, yeah. For like the second one, Glass, they said, I used to be obsessed with watching this video, the trainer who trained um, James McAvoy, mm-hmm. who got him that beastly yeah. as the beast. Um, they, I just watched, because they say egg yolk is really bad for you. And that trainer who got James jacked and he had no health side effects from what I know, he said that um, James ate like five, six eggs with the yolk. He's like, eat the yolk, um, eat sweet potato, which I need to start eating. Um, eat, don't be afraid of carbs because carbs will not make you fat if you're, you know, really exerting yourself every Working day. Working out and using them, yeah. Yeah, but if you become a couch potato and you're still in that, so that's what happens. You start to like have this great gym mindset. You're working out, um, you're doing it, you're getting all those calories in and then you, eventually what I start to do is I start to stop working out but still have that habit of eating all those calories and that's when it starts to like you get the you get the muffin top and you're like crap. 
uh, the balance, the balance of life. Cause sometimes you just get sick of routine. Sometimes it doesn't stick. And then once one routine sticks, like eating the other routine, working out kind of falls. It's, it's tough. It's tough balance life. And it really is a science too, is what's crazy with it. Cause you know, there's so many, I was going to ask you, do you, do you eat throughout the day? Like multiple small meals? Do you ever do intermittent fasting at all? And a perfect day, I start eating at twelve, and then and then eight hours after that, eight. So I start eating at twelve. I usually do the sixteen to eight ratio, mm-hmm. which people who don't know, um, you you have a window of eight hours to eat, and then you have an, after that eight hours, you close it, and you wait sixteen hours from bedtime to 12 the next day, well, 12 p.m. the next day. And uh, yeah, I, I hear it's great. And one time I did it for like a good month and I saw like no results. And I was like, what's going on? But all I, all I think I was doing at the time was just intermittent fasting. And I don't think I was working out with that. So I, I didn't see any kind of difference, but now I'm working out four days a week two muscle groups um, at a time. I think I might change it to five, but I have this all written down and it's so important to like write down and keep working the muscles, like a different, two different muscle groups each, each day. And at least do get back to the other one in the fourth day or the fifth day or whatnot. And then when I'm not doing that, I'll do like, I'm a big fan of HIIT workouts, Mm. high intensity interval training. And, um, I'll do like a 10 minute, I have like an app that will go. So you go hard for 30 seconds. People who don't know, go hard is for, I mean, hard meaning like once, so you go hard for 30 and then you rest. Well, you do a steady like jog or walk back and forth for 20 seconds and you go hard again for 30. So I have a watch um, app that, you know, it'll beep after the 30 and it'll beep after the 20. So, but what people don't realize is that if you don't go, so like your heart has to be like, after you're done for that 30 seconds, you can barely speak. You're like, yeah, you can barely catch your breath. That's how hard you have to go uh, for those five to 10, 15 sec, 15 minutes, um, 30 on, 20 off, 30 on. And uh, I read it in a magazine somewhere. I always knew it was around. And uh, I just, some I think I read in a magazine that that's equivalent, like a 10 minute hard hit. Uh, all out hit is equivalent to like a 30 minutes on the treadmill. Um, so I just, I hate treadmills. I hate elliptical machines. Uh, I've always kind of had bad knees Mm -hmm. and I used to stretch them out pretty good, but they always crack and, and, and do these weird noises. And I'm like the tin man. I need some of that oil. (laughs) I need some collagen or whatever they do down there. Do you take collagen? Uh, I don't. I just got into that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's pretty. Same thing. You can get the powder, put in your yogurt. And what is it supposed to do? Help with hair, skin, nails, joints. Okay. I was and, thinking. And they, they make it with protein too. Some of them. So yeah. it's just more protein. I was taking glucosamine for a while because mm. sometimes I get really like my my especially my wrists when I'm yeah. working out. My wrists will get really like sensitive where I can't even like lean on it to like brush my teeth or something. Um, but I realized the most important thing before you start working out is the warm up, just to like do, I don't know what this is, but like do get things moving for like 10, 15 minutes before you start the workout. 
Cause if I, if usually when I go right in, like I'll do like a fast workout sometimes just to go see a movie with my fiance for like date night and I won't stretch before or after and I'll just be in so much pain the next day. So stretch, my my best friend, you know, Alex Beal, um, uh, who I haven't mentioned before today, mm-hmm. uh, he can't even touch his toes and he's like, a really great soccer player and he's on like a couple leagues and uh, he almost went pro overseas back in his prime, but uh, he got scared and he came back home because he was like, if I get into one injury, you know, these, I'm a 20 and these 14 year old kids are like already like better than me. Mm. So he let fear win the day, but he, he never stretches and he can't even touch his toes. So I'm just saying about if you want mobility and you want less pain after workout, um, it's stretching is so so key. I don't know wh- why. I think I tried to watch a video, but it was so boring. When those you know those random videos come up where the, they're having like a podcast talk about like these old dudes are like talking about like muscle growth yeah. or, or performance or peak performance or all this stuff. And I tried to listen to it one time, and I'm like, okay, I get it. I, I stretch before and after. It helps with growth. It helps with pain. It helps overall. Sleep too. Sleep, sleep, sleep's important. But I love what yeah. you said earlier, though. Finding something that makes you stay up later and get up earlier. I mean, that's yes. so true. Yes, it's. And I think what I found was working out, that just moving the body. Just, yeah, it's so important. It's. It just. Um, it's. It's just so beneficial. It makes you look great. One. And feel you look, great. Feel great. Two. Three. It relieves stress. Mm. Um. Milton Caselas, he's like the founder of Beverly Hills Playhouse. I had their book. It was like showcased on Oprah Winfrey back in its prime in the 90s. Uh, that's what it said anyways, like on the cover. It said like featured on Oprah, uh, oh. books, 100 books weekly or whatever. And uh, he had this like program for like actors to do in their spare time. And he said, exercise, exclamation mark, the best way to relieve stress. And, you know, as actors, you know, stress is pretty high, yeah. can be pretty high at times. So I have that like on this little, my little dream board. It's, it's also very important to exercise to get rid of the stress that human beings acting or what, what not, whatever they do. It's, it's a great way to just to get rid of that anxiety of life and the fear of, you know, the, the unknown yeah. and the ultimate unknown. Not to go too deep into philosophy, because I used to be super deep into... Oh, dude, if you want to go deep into philosophy, we can, we can jump right the now. Ultimate fear, <laughs> the ultimate fear, the ultimate fear of the unknown is death. Yeah. The ultimate. And uh, everything is, in my belief, can be um, found, tr- followed back to the source of death and how... Hmm. It's, it used to terrify me. I used to have anxiety attacks about it. Even coming to LA when I was all good, met, met the dog, all over, the dog bites good and clear under control. Um, I don't think I told you. I used to have panic attacks before I came to LA where um, the first one I ever had, I woke up in my bedroom and I was like, whoa, what's going on? What's going on? I feel weird. I feel weird. Of course, nobody was home to relax me. I'm alone. There's snow on the ground, which is, was normal for me in Wisconsin. And I'm like... I, I feel like I'm going to die. I feel like I'm going to die. That's all I could think. And so I run out of my house barefoot with no shirt on and I, I have pants on. Uh, and I was like, whoa, what's going on? What's going on? I feel so afraid. I feel so scared. And then uh, I'm like running through the snow 
I'm looking. Nobody's on the goddamn street. It's like 2 p.m., 3 p.m. I have no idea where my mom or sister is. And uh, I run across the street, and I run into my neighbor's glass screen door. Ooh. And you think it would have broke, but I went, boom, and it bounced me off, and I flew back. And I thought that, I think I was trying to get out of that, what was happening to me. I thought maybe I was dreaming. I don't know what was happening. I flung back on my back, and... I was still feeling it. And I was like, no, 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 I'm still scared. What's going on? And then I finally heard a human. And they're like, are you okay? And there was this old man across the street. And I said, no, I'm freaking out, man. And he's like, right, come over here. And I, and I run over there and I lay on the, the snow and the grass. And then he's like, you want me to call you an ambulance? And I was like, yes, yes, please. <laughs> yes, <And> please. <laughs> so pretty much the ambulance comes. They take me to the, to the ER and they told me I had a panic attack. And I used to get those all the time. Not as crazy as that, but I've learned how to like subdue the anxiety with breathing. And when I feel the anxiety, just to go, okay, my brain's not getting enough oxygen. It's, it's, it's oxygen deprived and just mm. take deep breaths, focus. I used to lay down on my back and put books on my belly. And what, cause when you have anxiety, you start to do chest breathing and then your chest starts to hurt and you think it's like something with your heart or something, but really it's just accessory muscles that start to work, which aren't, that don't like to be worked when breathe, for breathing. So you start to do that. And then, so I put the, I was taught by like a psychologist or psychiatrist, whatever there, or a friend to put the book on your belly and just try to make the book go up and down. And so that really got me through some tough times. I don't know how we got on this track, but. It's a, this is the we're see we're in the this is the uh, midnight hour of the podcast oh, the, now we were, <laughs> the death part yeah. it goes back to the anxiety yeah. of 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 the ultimate death and I used to get so much anxiety about the idea of death and I'm not religious I wish I was my mom gave me the option I think uh, she was like hey you wanna stop going to Catholic school because if you don't like it I'm gonna stop paying for it and I was like I don't have to go to Catholic school anymore the night class and she goes no. I was like a 10 year old and she was like, okay, you don't have to go anymore. And so I was like, amazing. I don't have to go to night school no more. And then I think it was a pretty bad decision on my part, or I don't know if my mm. mom's part to make me decide not to have religion, but it just never stuck after that. And like I said, I wish I was religious and I wish I had that faith and a higher power. That's a life after death or a, a spiritual whatever. But, um, but but yeah, I, I've learned to cope with the idea of death. What actually makes me feel better about it is um, like, I don't get anxiety about it anymore. I used to like always, they used to be my last thought of the night and I used to have to like go to sleep with TV and movies on. But now it's like, it doesn't come up. And I think I just made peace with it mm. um, in my own way. I don't know if the reality of seeing my 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 idols and like, especially like, the greats of acting and you see like they were great at one time in their life and now they're passed away. And, and especially when I got 23 and me and I realized, Oh, why am I such, I only have, okay. I'm like 70, 80% German French, but why am I like, you know, such like 5% Akinaji Jew is what it told me. And then I looked it up and it said, because, uh, so you had a full-blooded French German relative like a hundred years ago, but you had a full-blooded um, like Jewish relative uh, 800, 900 years ago. And I was like, holy shit. And um, just gave me like a whole like, the world is so much bigger than me. 
and death is so much part of life as life is a part of death and it's just interchangeable and it's it's just it's just the way it's designed and mm. nothing nothing good lasts and nothing nothing lasts that's good i don't know i was trying to make a saying no, I mean, no one escapes it right i mean it's yeah everybody yeah goes through. now when you say you're not really do you have any type of spiritual mm. belief or did you i mean are you more like just agnostic you don't know what what's going to happen i used to try to define it i used to try to say i'm only limited to what i experience and or humans are only limited to what they can experience um touch and feel and but um it's hard it's hard to say at this point um i tried to like but i bought i found the bible at like the iliad and one of those mm -hmm. like books they say you can just take mm -hmm. and i was like is this a sign i found the bible in one of these like and buried in un under these stacks of books they leave outside of their company and uh so i grabbed the bible i just can't read that damn thing and um and uh excuse me too much water and uh but yeah i I I try to pray and I try to like when I do pray I do get very emotional and um excuse me and I do like I feel something and I feel like I don't know if I'm connected to just just my vulnerabilities or or trying to ask God for help or ask God for this or that I always you when I pray I go give me the focus of a hundred men give me the strength of a thousand men I always try to like because my biggest um my biggest fault is um my attention of being too scattered and so i even got my phone to i got rid of all the apps like you can keep them but you can take them off the home screen mm -hmm. i deleted all you know like you can make little boxes and put a bunch in the little mm -hmm. box i recently just got rid of all of those so now when i open my phone all i see is the email the the uh, my fitness pal and then the casting networks app and the actors access app, and that's all I see. And because um, usually when I open up, and now and now when I see my fiance's phone when I'm laying next to her and I see her looking at her phone and I see all her apps, I'm like, oh, it makes you feel good. And you start to, and I'm like, why does that make me feel good just looking at all of her apps? And then I remember listening to something where someone said it's like a carnival in your pocket. You can mm -hmm. you can just look at that thing, open it up, and anything your heart desires, anything you want to know, anything you want to be entertained by, I mean, especially, um, it's not talked about enough, but a porn addiction, it's just all there and it, and it can take your attention. It can, your focus can be in something so good, like trying to find God, trying to figure out the scene, trying to figure out a play, trying to, you know, and then your phone, boom, your, your mind is just scattered and you're like, what the heck was I was going to do? And then it's it's so easily so I just tried to simplify it. I understand people that just don't want a smartphone anymore and they're just going to go back to the flip, or even the BlackBerry. Um, I'm pretty close to that. And uh, just taking photos, I have eighteen thousand photos, ridiculous. And, uh, and so I can see a beautiful moment. And I'll go, and then I'll be like, all right, on to the next where I could just like soak that in like a beautiful sunset. <laughs> yeah. I try not to take a photo of beautiful sunsets anymore. That really hit me. Like on the way here, when I was driving to come see you on the highway, there's this beautiful sunset, this beautiful, like orange and green or pink. I don't know what it was, but that's the closest thing I, I feel to like a spiritual plane is 
sunsets. They they really hit me. Um, I used to like always go up to the roof on my birthday, on the night of my birthday, to just you know get a sense of spirituality and stay out of my brain and out of my thoughts. We have like sixty thousand thoughts a day. I, I don't know how they they probably did some like had somebody write down. Uh, like a a clicker every time they had a thought in a minute or two, and that probably multiplied that by, you know, how, how long a human being average is awake. But they say six, six, sixty to seventy thousand thoughts a day if someone has, and and if you don't like plan your day out with like like good intention, exercise, eating the same amount of, say you weigh one fifty. 100 pounds, you get 150 ounces, no, 150 grams of protein, is what they say. Get that protein in, get that, get that exercise in, stretch, um, read something that'll benefit you. If, I don't know if it's a classic like, like Steinbeck or, or Covey, Covey? Mm-hmm. Stephen Covey. It's going to be book of the episode. Yeah, <laughs> this episode. Seven Habits. I could never get through that dang book. It's I, a tough book. It's a tough, it's a tough read. Mr. C, uh, that's Playoffs West. They, they, it's like the Holy Grail next yeah. to the, the, the Meisner, Meisner book, book. Yeah. And next to Stellar, Stella Adler's book. But, um, yeah, reading so important. Cause like I said, those, you have so many thoughts a day. They're not all going to be good. Mm. There's going to be some bad ones. Majority are going to be either thinking about people that don't like you or thinking of something that you could have done. Um, or thinking of, of the time your heart was broken or thinking about why doesn't that person like me? Why doesn't that person love me anymore? Why why doesn't this teacher like me? Why doesn't why didn't that person say yes to me for the play? It's it's the mind is, is so scattered and it's so important to get a dang planner. I don't use the planner, but I have it. And I and I and some months I have a good time with the planning and some days I just let Jesus take the wheel and um and I realize if you just let things play out, um, there's like a saying. It goes, um, if you don't plan, you'll plan to fail. Oh, or something. Uh, yeah. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Yeah. So it's like you have to structure your day out, especially as With an intention. Act- yeah, have intention. And especially as an actor, because you have to be flexible in your in your scheduling, and you also need some kind of roots to um to stay grounded or this town will chew you up um and i don't know if if that's in all areas of life but i can only talk about how i'm living my life as an actor and um and i've had friends who um one of my one of my good friends uh he moved back to uh israel Hmm. and he was out here for a good time and um and he gave up throwing the towel, throwing the towel, and and he said his brother's getting married and uh, having kids, and I'm he's like I'm still out here, like grinding, and I'm 35, and at the time I was like 30, and I was like, oh, what are you talking about? You're crazy, and now I'm like approaching that wheelhouse, and um, I totally get what he means. You start to define your, and you go, for me, my sister just had two kids, my sister just got married, um, I'm so far away from home, I. I, you know, sometimes I feel so sad that I chose a life without them. I mean, there's FaceTime, there's plane rides back home, but it's always like, 
you know, what did I do? Did I make the right decision? Should I move back home? And it's like, it's, it's, it's sad. And um, you can, you can let those thoughts win the day, or you can be like, no, you know, stop feeling sorry for yourself and start, and start doing something productive. Like I always go back to it. work out, read some good book, uh, self-help, a novel, read a great novel, read a great, um, there's this great book called, um, by uh, Richard Carlson, Dr. Richard Carlson. It's called um, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. I think I've heard of that one. Because yeah. it's all small stuff. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a, it goes to one to 50 and um, it's great. It's, I used, it used to be my Bible, I used to say, and um, each little chapter is like two pages long, easy read. And you pretty much read each chapter a day and try to work on that chapter throughout your whole day and how you interact with people and it got me through some tough times and got me out of my negative thoughts. And oh, the best way to obviously forget the best way to to battle those negative thoughts is um is gratitude. Mm, and absolutely. not just and not just absolutely. not just thinking about gratitude, but feeling yeah. the gratitude. Absolutely. Which it, it can be tough to sometimes feel the love, but you know, there's people out there that love you. Um family, friends, um teachers and whatnot you just have to be grateful for not every interaction could it could be overwhelming but it comes down they i've read this guide where it said eventually you want to be you want to feel gratitude um but not from who you're getting it from or from the experiences you had eventually you just want to be grateful just for i don't know breathing just for the s- simplest things my health. Um, I have no pain today. I, I had a, you know, I tried my best today and eventually you just want to feel grateful just to be in that feeling of, of peace and uh, not having to thank who you'll thank at your Academy Awards speech, but just being grateful for yourself mm. and that you're still going and you're still, you haven't let the devil win and you're still, you're still pushing and you're still, um, you still have a head of hair. And then people that don't have a head of hair, you you probably have something great about your body that you love as well. And comparison is the thief is of joy. Thief of joy. <laughs> God damn. It's but it's funny. They say comparison is like a caveman mindset. It goes all the way back where the first caveman invented fire, accidentally or purposefully. Um, and then the cavemen that were around went more like, what's that bright thing over there? Oh wait, it's and they go. They all surrounded them and said, "Oh man, it's hot, and and it can cook your food, and it can keep you warm, and it can protect you against you know this and that." And um, and all the cavemen wanted what the other cavemen had was that magical fire. Mm. And so, I heard somebody say that it it goes it goes that comparison trick. It goes way down so far down our bloodline well, and social media amplifies it to a whole other level oh it's just constant so you're you're onto something removing the apps and yeah i'm, I'm glad to hear you talk about it because it is a reminder of like how much of our life is being directed by unintentional things that it's just and you're right about the phone like literally you can get sucked in and lost yeah. forever it's and, like a wheelbarrow of fun i think someone said it <laughs> 
Oh man, well, Danny, I could talk to you for three more hours, man. Dude, this is. I, uh, I'm sorry, I talked your ear off, dude. That's the no. I'm glad you did. This I should is, have asked you some questions. No, dude, this is this is a treat because I really feel like I got to know a whole other side to you. Yeah, and know you even outside of acting, which is really cool. And and I'll say this to you, man. Like I really, I really admire. Like you, you come across and you are one of those people. Like you really are doing the work out here. You know, there's a reason why you've been out here for ten years and you're still here. Because if you're not working out, you're, you know you know how it is out here. It's like... <laughs> if you don't work it, there's some kind of thing at the end of that Something one. like that. But no, you, you're doing the work and every time, all the work I've seen, like you just, you, you're very, you're very dedicated, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And like, so it's been interesting to learn about your regimens and fitness and philosophies. And there's so much. There's so much. We'll have to much. save it for part two. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. rest. And I always give the guests the last word, but before I give you the last word... How can people follow you or find you if you want them to? <laughs> uh, my address? No. Uh, yeah. uh, my Instagram is the Dan Litz because Dan Litz was taken. That's not the whole my, ha- my whole handle. It's the Dan Litz. Um, I'm not on Twitter or some may call it X. Uh, I'm not. I used to be. On, I'm on TikTok. I think I'm on TikTok as Dan Litz or maybe the Dan Litz. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. So. I try to make some funny videos once in a while and uh, Instagram. I I don't think I post enough because I used to be on this crazy binge of like casting has to see that I'm alive and not creepy and I'm a human being. Um, and yeah, I got stuck in that rabbit hole of comparison of, oh, look how funny this guy is. Look how I need to be funny like him. So yeah, you can find me there. But it, uh, mostly you can find me trying to better myself. Trying to better myself and not compare myself, and and as hard as it is just to think about yourself without being an egomaniac, and self love, and try to be kind, and try to you know be as loving as uh, Franklin Garcia. He's like the lo- most loving person I know. Franklin is one of the greatest dudes on earth. And sometimes it can be overbearing, and and I'm like Franklin. I need some space. And he's like, shut up, my little bambino. <laughs> or he calls me Dandelion. He's got all these nicknames. He's just for such me. good energy, man. Like no no matter where I see him, like it's yeah. always great energy. To end this note, yep. me and Franklin were rehearsing a scene at North Weddington Park and a squirrel comes up and the squirrel uh is like standing on its hind legs, just watching us um like do a, like rehearse. And um and then Franklin goes, Oh my god. Look it, it's it's that it's a squirrel, and then and then Franklin goes up to the squirrel, really slowly, and and then he literally the the squirrel lets him pet him on the head, and he's <laughs> Franklin's petting the squirrel on the head, like he's a like a dog or a cat. The squirrel whisperer. <laughs> and I'm like, this dude is just is is. And that's right over there, North Weddington Park. Yeah. yeah, I go. Yeah, he's just a pure spirit, and mm. and sometimes it can be overbearing, but it's like that's the kind of love because we're so as i don't know if just coming to this town it's like you're so guarded and maybe you've been messed over before maybe you've been heartbroken before but it's tough to keep your to to be nice but then don't have your guard up and not being taken advantage of especially there's some there's some some squirrely people in this town but um is that my last is it you want that to be the last message? word? I, mean, that, I thought it was a good one. But anything else you want to leave us with before we close here? 
man, find a, if you can't, if I'd say what's kept me going and I'm not trying to just plug, but um, being at a school that's so nurturing and that's, that puts up plays. And I mean, I've been there for six years and um, uh, I guess they, they, they say it that it's like your, it's like your acting gym. It's like you have to, my mindset is whenever I go there, I kind of, I want to work out. I want an emotional workout and not just to cry. Cause I, I used to be in that kind of rut of wanting to like get some tears going, man. But um, if the moment's not there, then the moment's not there. But um, yeah, to, to find your gym, whatever that may be, maybe it's a workout gym, maybe it's an acting gym, maybe it's, uh, I don't know what it is, but um yeah, you, it's it's all about balance, you know. People are on this crazed like forty-five challenge, where everyone's trying to drink a gallon of water a day, and people are feeling sick and their backs are hurting, or they're. And I'm like, dude, a gallon of water a day is too much. If you're not exercising intensely, a gallon of water is way too much. I used to try to drink a gallon. Now I drink like a half gallon a day. Um, but everything in like they say, I hate repeating words that are phrases that have people have said before, but it sticks for a reason. Everything in moderation, everything in moderation, 10 minutes of literature, you know, 30 minutes of working out. I think an hour is too long and I'll find myself in the gym for way too long. My fiance is like, you were gone for an hour and like a half. And I was like, I know, I know. And then, um, yeah, I, I heard somewhere that this one guy stays fit just by doing 30 minutes, four times a day. Um, sorry, four days a week, he does 30 minute workouts. And uh, yeah, everything in moderation. Cold shower is amazing. It's scary. And it's a way to accomplish fear. The first start of the day or throughout the day is just jump in a really cold shower, which can be hard in the summer because it doesn't get that, that cold. But um, that's exhilarating. Um, not to get addicted to caffeine because that can be a way to feel exhilarated but it's a false exhilaration. It's a drug. Um, the best way is uh, protein, 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 <laughs> protein, 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 sleep. I could do way better with sleep. But um, yeah, I guess I, I could say is just be kind and, you know, say no and don't feel bad about it because people will say no to you as well. It'll come back, slap you in the face. And uh, not every, don't take things so personally. Am I talking to myself? Um, this line of work that I find myself in, you know, you get paid for your kind of emotional life or lack thereof. Some people who do like deadpan stuff, but it's um, yeah, it's you can you can you can mend. You can get you can start to analyze life too much, like you analyze scripts, analyze mm -hmm. parts. And you got to like really turn it off, turn it on. Like when class is over, don't analyze relationships. Don't analyze this or that. Um, just be cool with everybody. Um, listen and treat people with kindness. And um, and yeah, find find your gym, whatever that is for you. And, and don't watch five seasons of Seinfeld because it's, it's, it, it's horrible. It's great, but it's horrible. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Well, you gave us some gems tonight, my friend. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dan, for coming in. I'm looking forward to part two. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you.
Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the Sam Dever podcast. Be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you watch the podcast, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at the Sam Dever podcast.